You're listening to the Gates Church Podcast. For more information or to support this ministry, please visit thegates.org. I've been really enjoying the messages so far about about the, the different practices that we've talked about. Uh, last week, Henry Borsma shared about prayer, which was awesome. Uh, I think we can all all pray more. Right. We all can we can all manage, I think, to fit some more prayer into our life. And so I, I challenge you to do that. But uh, today, um, as I was thinking about just even the, the, the title practice makes progress, um, I think that's, that's an awesome title because uh, these spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices are not the end goal. Right. It isn't our goal to to practice Sabbath or to pray more or, as I'm going to be talking about, to meditate more or anything like that. Uh, they don't make us perfect. It's not practice makes perfect. You know, if we it's not like if we pray enough, we're, we're going to achieve a state of perfection or anything like that. Uh, but it makes it makes us progress in our walk. And I really believe that. I believe that the more we practice these things that we talk about, the more you know, we, we study the Bible, the more we spend time with God, because I think that's the end goal of, of everything here is spending time with God. Our progress in our Christian walk, you know, we, we further that. And that makes us more like Christ, which is great. And so I want to talk about meditation today. And uh, but first of all, I want to ask a question: uh, Who who has played the game Tetris? Well, most people. That is good. That is good. It's a good game. Back in the day on original Nintendo, if you guys remember that far back, probably most of you do. Actually, it looks there's not terribly many young children here anymore, so that's good. Uh, but there's that game Tetris, right? With the four little squares into different shapes, and you have to try to arrange them, all that sort of thing. And it was a, a very popular game. I think it still is. And as I was, uh, okay, so I'm a, I'm a geek and I like to read things on Insta or on, uh, Wikipedia. So I was, you know, reading about Tetris, as people usually do, right? <laughs> but anyways, there's this thing that I found out about called the Tetris effect. Alright, and it's this, this psychological condition. It's also called the Tetris syndrome. And that, this is simply when people, when they devote so much time and attention to an activity that it begins to pattern their thoughts, mental images, and dreams. And it takes the, the, its name from the video game Tetris. All right, so basically what it's saying is that when you play Tetris long enough or you, you devote enough time to any activity, it begins to, like, to saturate into your brain and that... You know, on this article in Wikipedia, it gives the examples that sometimes when you are, you know, out shopping in the, in the, the store, you begin to see the, the Tetris shapes among boxes on the shelves and your mind immediately starts to think about how you can, you know, arrange them to get a line so it disappears, you know, and that sort of thing. And uh, I don't know, I didn't really play Tetris enough for that to happen, but, you know, in junior high, I was, I was so cool that I played chess. All right, I played chess. Actually, we didn't even have a chess club, but me and my friends, we we were like so neat and awesome and cool. We played chess when we were done our work in our ch- in our classrooms. And so, after a while, we played chess a lot for this uh, kind of a short amount of time. But after a while, I began walking down the sidewalk. I began to see black and white squares. 
And I was like, what is going on? What is happening? And, you know, when I was trying to navigate through a crowd of people, I started to think in chess moves. You know, like if I go two forward and one over, I can get through here. And then I go diagonal. And, I, and after a while, I was like, this is crazy. I need to stop playing chess. But that's exactly what was happening to me, this Tetris effect. My, because I was devoting so much time to playing chess, my mind started to think that all the time. And I think that, and as I was preparing for this, this message this morning, this Tetris effect article came back to me and it made me think, I'm like, wow, this is, this is, am I cutting in and out? Sure. Okay. All right. This is, this Tetris effect is kind of, should I go? Yeah, all right. All right. There we go. This Tetris effect is is kind of what we 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 try to achieve nearly by practicing spiritual disciplines, is it not? You know, if we, if we think and if we do this activity, this spiritual discipline enough, it will start to permeate our brain and, and the thoughts and the actions of this activity, this spiritual discipline that we do, will start to, to come up in our daily walk, in our daily life. You know, we will start to see Christ in everything, in all parts of our spiritual walk. Uh, Richard Foster has this amazing quote um, about meditation in his book, Celebration of Discipline, which is an amazing book. And he says this, What happens in meditation is that we create the emotional and spiritual space which allows Christ to construct an inner sanctuary in the heart. The wonderful verse, I stand at the door and knock, was originally penned for believers, not unbelievers. It's found in Revelation 3.20. We who have turned our lives over to Christ need to know how very much He longs to eat with us, to commune with us. He desires a perpetual Eucharistic feast in the inner sanctuary of our heart. And meditation opens the door, and although we are engaging in specific meditation exercises at specific times, the aim is to bring this living reality into all of life. It is the portable sanctuary that is brought into all we are and do. And so the goal of meditation, as he states, is to do specific practices at specific times, and eventually the results will will permeate our entire lives. That's beautiful. And so talking about meditation, I first want to clear up maybe some misconceptions about that word because it's, it's thrown around a lot, uh, definitely not always in um, Christian contexts, right? We hear the word meditation, and I think most of us, including myself, would immediately, our mind immediately goes to uh, what we would perhaps say is Eastern meditation, or you might think of like a Buddhist monk uh, sitting in the lotus position, uh, repeating a monosyllabic mantra over and over again. All right, and 
And that's what, that's what I'm not talking about. <laughs> We're not talking about that. You know, because Eastern meditation, as I, I will call it here, is, is about emptying your mind. It's about um, taking all the distractions away and just and letting your mind go empty, go blank. Uh, it's uh, trying to achieve nirvana, trying to, to escape the circle of life and death, of reincarnation, and to you know, to achieve another plane of consciousness. And that's not what I'm talking about all right, today. Uh, what Christian meditation is, according to what I've been able to understand, instead of emptying your mind, it is trying to fill your mind. To fill your mind with not just anything, but with Christ. In Ephesians 3, 17-19, let me read that. This is uh, Paul praying for the, the church in Ephesus. And so that he, he's praying that we would have the strength and, and uh, we'd be able to know the Father, know Christ, so that, as it says in verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That we can be filled with the fullness of God. So instead of emptying our minds, trying to achieve nothingness, Christian meditation is, is for us to try to be filled with the presence of God. Instead of losing ourselves, instead of trying to join the universal consciousness that Eastern meditation might uh, try to, to achieve, we, we bring ourselves under the Lordship of Christ. We don't lose ourselves, but we find ourselves in Christ and under His Lordship. And I really believe that in a world of busyness, because that's what we live in, our culture is filled with with things that can keep us busy, keep us distracted. And I think in the, in the world that we live in that, that strives uh, to make something of ourselves, we are, we are eternally drawn to being busy, to keeping ourselves busy, to keeping ourselves occupied with doing something. Meditation is, it seems, the exact opposite of that, of that busyness. It is to take time and to be with Christ. Just to be with Christ. You know, it's, 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 it's like the, the story of Mary and Martha, really. Uh, when, when Jesus and his entourage come to visit the house of Mary and Martha, and we, we might all know this story, uh, Martha immediately busies herself with making food. Which is not a bad thing, because if you think about it, Jesus plus his 12 disciples plus all the other people that probably hung out with him, that's a large crowd. And Martha, being a good hostess, wanted to feed them. And so she immediately was like, oh my goodness, there's a big group of people, I need to get ready. And so she immediately starts making herself busy and getting stuff ready for this huge group of people that just arrived at her house. But it says, in this is from Luke 10, uh, verse... Let's pick it up at uh, 39. Uh, so we just, or 38, I should say. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. 
But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. And so even in a world where, where busyness is, is applauded, and we can fill our mind with, with, well, definitely the pursuit of sinful things, but even in Martha's case, the pursuit of good things, of the pursuit of hospitality, the pursuit of, of feeding people, we can be distracted. But Mary, it says here, chose the one good thing. She chose to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to his teaching. And so we can, we can pursue busyness, but we can also pursue Christ through meditation. And I think busyness and meditation are, are definite opposites. You know, the, the meditation aspect of life can be to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen. And so I want to give you a, a spiritual or a scriptural backdrop, I should say, about, about meditation uh, from the Bible, straight from the Bible, what it says about meditation. And to start right in the, the beginning, um, back in, in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, Moses has died and Joshua has, is just taking over leadership of a very, very large group of people. And... Uh, this is what God says to him. He says a lot of things. Be strong, be courageous. And then in verse 8 of chapter 1, it says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. The word meditate from this Hebrew word, it means to muse, to ponder, to think over, to let it dwell in you. And so God is, is saying, don't let the book of the law even depart from your mouth, but meditate on it. And I can, I can assure you that if we want something to never depart from our mouth, just to skim over it and to, to page through it every once in a while isn't going to cut it. You know, God is saying to Moses or to Joshua, be constantly in this book. Be constantly in the, in the, the commandments that I have told you. You know, let them, let them be in you and let them permeate, permeate you constantly so that you will not deviate from them. In Psalms, Psalms are, are filled with, with references to meditation and in the first psalm, the one that opens up the whole book, uh, it talks about the man who is blessed. All right, in Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinner, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So blessed is the man who meditates day and night on God's law, on God's word. Psalm 63, verses 5 to 8, it says, My soul 
will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you and your right hand upholds me. So not only do we, are we commanded to, to meditate on God's word and God's law, but also just on, the, on the, the being of God, on God's character. It talks about just meditating on you, talking to Christ, talking to God. So on his words and on, his, on himself, we are to meditate. Psalm 77, 11 and 12 It says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. And so to add to that list of God's law, God's person, and then God's deeds. And I'm sure that there there are times in our life where we've felt dry. But as well, I'm hoping there's times in our life where we have felt that God is near, that God is good, that, and what we can do with those times when we are feeling dry and when we are feel, feeling weary and we are feeling that God, like what is He doing right now? Where is He? We can draw on those past experiences and we can meditate on the goodness of God. We can meditate on, the, on what God has done for us in the past. And that is a good thing, that we can remember those things and we can draw strength from that. And again, in Psalm 119, if you read it, it's a, you know, a huge amount of, of verses declaring the praises of God's Word. And in Psalm 119, verse 48, it says, I will lift up my hands toward your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. And again, it's just said, saying, take the time to meditate on God's Word, to fill your mind, fill your whole being with what God says. <clears throat> Another word that is used in Scripture that I believe talks about, about this same concept is the word think. And in, in Philippians, in Philippians 4, verse 8, it says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely and whatever is commendable. If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. If anything is worthy or excellent, think about these things. And so again, it, just, it, it solidifies this point. The things in our lives that are good, the things that come from God, you know, God's Word, God's character, God's deeds. Let's think about them often. Another word is um, abide. Abide. In John 15:9, it talks about this is the chapter where Jesus is talking about himself as the vine and we are the branches. And and that amazing imagery. And it says in verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. You know, in the word abide there, it means to, to not depart. 
to continue to be present, uh, to sojourn, to remain as one with God's love. And it goes on to say, if, if, if we do, our, do Christ's commandments, we can abide in His love. And how do we know His commandments? By meditating on them, by following, by thinking about God's Word, by reading and thinking and, and letting that dwell in us. You know, the, and one more word that I, I love that it talks about this is dwell. And that's found in, in Colossians 3, verse 16. And it simply says, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Dwell. To inhabit you. To dwell in. To influence you. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you. So all these things, all these words, all these verses really really form a foundation for us to, to realize, yes, this is, this is important and this is, this is something that we not only can do, but I think we should do. <clears throat> that we, we should be spending time in God's Word, not just to, to study it, not just to, to read you know, ten chapters at a, at a time just to get through it, but to, to let, it, let it sit, let it just be in us. You know, maybe take a, just a little bit of Scripture and just let it sit and let us you know, think about these things. Let it dwell in us, abide in it. And just like the, the, the Tetris effect that I talked about earlier, if we do these things, if we spend the time and we take the time to think about God, His character, His word, His deeds, enough, if we, if we let that, if we do these things enough, that will permeate our minds so that in everyday life, in everything that we do, Christ will be present. Christ will be the, the pattern that our thoughts go to all the time. So with this biblical backdrop that I've given, going forward, I, I guess the next question would be is, is how do you do it? You know, because I think as, as, as simple as it perhaps sounds to, to think on Christ, to you know, meditate on His Word, I think you know, it's, it's always good to, to give an outline of, of simply how to, how to do it. And I want to just give you two, I don't know, really simple ways of, of meditating. And the first one, it comes uh, more from the, the Eastern Orthodox Church tradition and one that, uh, that I, I've, been, I've been practicing lately. In preparation for this sermon, I was like, well, I need to practice what I'm about to preach. <laughs> and so I've really been uh, yeah, taking the time to, to try to meditate. And uh, from the, the Eastern Orthodox tradition, there's this thing called the Jesus Prayer. And perhaps you've heard of it. And uh, to to do it, it it's it's rather simple um, in in instructing, but it's amazing to actually do it. And so again, they they the the literature I read about it um, said that we should have a comfortable and relaxed posture. All right, I do believe that's important, just to to get yourself into a comfortable position. You know, so that you can you can maintain that 
um, posture and position for a long period of time. Uh, they, they suggest to close your eyes so that you're not distracted by the things around you. And then simply it's this Jesus prayer. It says, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. It's a rather simple sentence or some variation of that sentence. There's, there's tons of different variations of the Jesus prayer. But Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. And it's amazing if you, if you let yourself think that and, you know, through repetition, just kind of, you know, keep your mind focused on those words and the, the images that it, it brings to mind. It's amazing the, the power of that little prayer. You know, as we, as we take time, we, we think about, you know, Jesus Lord, His Messiah. He is the Messiah. He has saved us. He, is, he, he gives us mercy on us as sinner, and yet He loves us. You know, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I think it's important, as I've said before, to take the time to do this. Don't rush it. You know, I think it's, it would be amazing if, if we had, you know, hours upon hours of time in our day to do this. And I, I realize that we, we probably don't. We all have jobs. We have responsibilities. But at the same time, if we, if we say to ourselves, well, I got five minutes now, I'm going to meditate, you know, that's good. But even better is just to, to carve out some time to spend with God in meditation. Find a quiet place even if it means getting up maybe a bit earlier and meditating. Take the time. You know, don't, don't rush through this. You know, I think if we were to take, take an ample amount of time and to, to say this prayer, you know, through, just through repetition and to focus on it and to focus on what God is, is saying to us through it, you know, in, in my experience in the last month and a half as I've been thinking about this, Honestly, it's brought me such amazing peace. If I've been stressed and I take even a few minutes and do that, it just brings my, my, you know, the peace of God back to me. And it's awesome. The second way I want to share with you of meditating is, is called Lectio Divina, which is Latin for divine reading. And it's, uh, it's a way to, to read your Bible and to meditate on it. And it's it's pretty a pretty ancient tradition, and I think generally speaking, uh, this is the the earliest people, the earliest church did this um, as a as a group as a community, um, and so you know feel free to do this together with other people. But as well, you know we can do it by ourselves, and read the Bible to just with ourselves. And it's divided into the four steps: to read, to meditate, to pray, and to contemplate. And so the first thing, obviously, is to read, to read God's Word. And again, it's not uh, a chance for you to read 10 chapters in 15 minutes just to get them through, you know, just to get that Bible reading done every day. This is a chance to not to study God's Word, but to, to, again, just to let it be in you, to let it sink in. And so read a small passage, maybe one paragraph or one verse, and read it slowly, and read it a few times. And as you do, you know, pause after afterwards just to let it sink in. I would suggest reading it aloud as well, so that 
your, your ears are actually hearing it. It's not just thinking it. You're actually hearing the Word of God. So read it a few times. Read it slowly and then meditate. And simply put, that is just opening your mind to the Holy Spirit and to allowing Him to say what He wants to say about the passage that you just read. And allowing God to, to show you the you know, perhaps an important word or a phrase that he wants to bring to your mind today. And then pray. To pray about that. You know, and again, maybe it maybe this is just a, would be an opportunity to to say that word or phrase a few times over in your mind and just allow God to 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 speak to you and to pray about it. Pray what it means to you and try to, you know, just to, to not so much, again, study it, but just to be there with that verse and allow it to sink in. And the final step is to contemplate and, you know, to, to, silent, to be silent and to listen to God again. You know, what does God have for me through these words, through these verses? And again, I think the most important thing is to give it time, to do not rush through these things. You know, that's, as I, as I said, culture is busy. Culture is very distracting. Our world is crazy because it wants our attention. But God, in, in that still small voice, He wants our attention. And so I, I encourage you, don't rush just to, to put away your phone, to put away everything that is distracting, and instead spend time with God. Spend time slowly with God. And I guess the, the big question that this last week as I was thinking about this is, well, why do we meditate? Why? You know, we, we, we've kind of established that, yes, this is a good thing to do. There's biblical verses, a foundation that we can support this with. Um, you know, there's, there's a, many different ways of how to do it, but why do we do it? Why? And again, the, the series title, Practice Makes Progress. I think if we want to make progress in our Christian walk, there's many things that we can do. There's many different um, activities that we can do. But through them all, I think the, the end goal needs to be intimacy with God intimacy and relationship with God and I believe that through meditation if we take you know something from his word from his character and if we meditate if we just allow God to speak to us and open our hearts to the Holy Spirit to speak to us in whatever way he chooses not necessarily the way we choose but just to be silent and let God speak through us through meditation it will bring us closer to God and it will will bring us joy as we journey with Christ and again, I, this Tetris effect thing where we allow Christ to permeate our brain, to allow Christ to permeate how we think and how we pattern our day and what we see in every day. You know, we, allow, we are allowing Christ to color our whole world if we spend enough time with Him, if we spend enough time with His Word. It will start to alter the way we think. So as we transition into a time of communion, the band can come back up.
I want to give you just a, a small chance to meditate because I think that's important. And not only right now, but I really do challenge you this week to spend time to meditate on Scripture, to meditate on God's character. Um, you know, find a, a small passage, even the one I want to read right now. It relates to communion. It relates to all areas of life, but it's found in John one twenty nine. And as John the Baptist sees Jesus walking toward him one day, he, he calls out, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So I encourage you this morning, right now, to, to close your eyes and to, to meditate, to say those words in your mind a few times and to open your mind to what God has to say to you. Just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you through those words. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world.